0: Our God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for calling us to this place and for the ministry of Trinity School for Ministry. We do pray that they would go from strength to strength and that your spirit would inhabit our conversation today uh, as we talk about what it looks like uh, to train men and women for full-time ministry and uh, the hope that we have in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is Lori Thompson. He is the dean and president of Trinity School for Ministry in Ambridge, Pennsylvania. Not, uh, like, what's the name of the, the BBC? The Archers. the Archers. Yeah, well, that, that's... Are you turned on? We better turn your... There you go. Uh, but Ambridge, Pennsylvania, named after the American Bridge Company. Is that right? That's correct. And, uh, and Trinity's there, and you and your wife, Mary, live there. But before we get any uh, further, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Well, I'd be happy to, um, but first I need to do something... Uh, to, to get things in context here, Andrew uh, Dean Pearson invited me down for some warm Southern hospitality, and I think he failed rather miserably.
0: <laughs> well, it's cold. Uh,
1: I, I don't know if I've given one of these to you before, but that's my response to your warmth.
0: Oh, thank you. It's bourbon. Just kidding. Uh... Oh, look, it's a Trinity scarf. Oh, that's great. Thank you. I, um, I now have a Trinity scarf and Trinity socks. Good. Uh, which are pretty, pretty great. Uh, you can tell where Dean Thompson's interests lie. He and Frank Limehouse would have gotten along really well. Well, there you go. All right, thank you so much. I hope that'll warm you up a little bit. I hope so, too. And, and
1: also to teach you how to dress properly. Yes, sir. And if there's any question...
0: Oh. And a Trinity tie.
1: Colors, but they also have to be the colors of a football team that's playing next S- Saturday against a, a small school in
0: Ohio. Yes, are, you, are, you, are you a Northwestern guy? I'm a Michigan guy. Michigan guy. Oh, gosh. I forgot that. We're, they play football in Michigan. Have a seat. Yeah, you're in the wrong place uh, to have that conversation. I, I just
1: I just... I just think you need to know that um, <laughs> they might be playing a, a, one of your local schools here mm-hmm. in a few weeks' time. So,
0: Jeff State. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, no, it, it's entirely likely, and uh, believe me, if, if we pursued this, it would, um, people would start leaving other classes to come in here, because next to Jesus, and maybe even competing with Jesus, SEC football is kind of the end-all be-all.
1: Well I, I do want to make a serious point of this, um, some of you may be old enough to remember one of the great stars of, of uh, Bear Bryant, his name was Colenzo Hubbard, and uh, Colenzo's going in for open heart surgery on Monday, so I would ask you to uh, remember Colenzo, yeah. he's a dear, dear friend, and um, it's going to be a tough moment for him and for yeah. learn,
0: so. Do you all know Colenzo Hubbard apart from football? Uh, Colenzo, uh, was ordained, I think by Bishop Miller, uh, here in the diocese and then, uh, worked out at Christchurch Fairfield and now is involved in a ministry very similar to that in Memphis. Uh, and so he's a dear man and a dear brother in the Lord. Thank you for, for letting us know that.
1: He's also doing an amazing ministry of church schools in Memphis and his partner in that is my roommate from college. So we've had a lot what of fun that? watching and praying for their ministry and, uh, seeing God's grace unfolding there.
0: Oh, good. Sh- well, tell us about yourself. Yes.
1: Um, as, as the colors might suggest, I grew up in Toledo, Michigan. Some of you may think that's in Ohio, but those of us who are enlightened know that it's actually Toledo, Michigan. Um, and um, There was a battle over it. There was a battle over there. There was indeed, but Ohio State had a bigger militia.
0: Yes, that's right.
1: So, some things haven't changed. Um, but... Um, I uh, grew up in Toledo, and grew up in a business family, and went away to school, and um, uh, found myself, like many seniors in high school, very confused, and I met a gorgeous young woman, and she looked at me, and she said a, a line, a pickup line I'd never heard before. She said, God loves you, and has a plan for you. And I thought, I've never heard a come on like that before. (laughs) (laughs) And quite literally, what happened to me was jealousy filled my heart because I saw there was, uh, I fell for her immediately. And and yet I saw there was another man in her life that commanded her affections and her devotion. And I wanted to find out who that was. And that's how I came to know Christ.
0: Oh, praise God.
1: So that she's sitting right there, my wife of 43 years. Um, It
0: worked out in both instances. It with did. God and with Mary. Very it
1: good. Did. Yeah, It did. And um, I, I went up to the Quebec Labrador coast and really God got a hold of me during that time on uh, a summer program. And uh, so then I went off to Denison College and um, became part of a, a Christian student group there. And that was really formative for me um, and realized my heart was still in the Episcopal Church at that point, And I really wanted to... Um, um, embrace that ministry, and so uh, people like John Howe and John Guest, names such as these were uh, formative figures, and another fellow you may know of, Fitz Allison, right. um, th- these are the people that shaped and developed my early years, and then in, in after um, uh, ordination in New York, I came back and, um, um, excuse me, I wasn't ordained in New York, I finished my theological training in New York, and served parishes in, in Philadelphia uh, for six years, um, and then 13 years as a rector in Trumbull, Connecticut. So that's, that's the, the quick background.
0: Right. And uh, tell us, because I think that uh, many people here are familiar with Trinity School for Ministry, but tell us a little bit about its founding, its, its DNA, and uh, what's going on today.
1: Super. Super. Its founding, of course, came out of um, ministering to many young people like myself, perhaps you as well. It was a little before you, wasn't it? Mm. Too darn young. <laughs> it was, yes. Um, but um, in the, in the late, late 70s, many of us had been touched by the Spirit. We had a, 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 an evangelical fervor, but we wanted to get grounded in theology and in teaching, and we wanted someone that would really open up the excitement of the Word of God to us, but the options were limited, and I ran off to England because of that, Um, but just at that very moment, uh, Trinity School for Ministry was founded, and we were put into an old grocery store, and with passion for scripture, and and John Rogers, one of the first deans, describes, he said that they were whispering to each other, do you believe that Jesus bodily rose from the dead? and and the excitement to have some fellow scholars and theologians get together and and share the passion uh, for an orthodox Bible-believing faith they got together, they bought a grocery store and um, so the DNA was set for a love of the scriptures a love of some of the Reformation um, theology that grounded Anglicanism particularly justification by faith those were kind of the bedrock uh, pieces, and then those began to uh, quickly flow into the second characteristic of the school, which was a real passion for mission, uh, and the great commission, and a desire to really empower leaders to not be um, maintainers, but to be leaders who would initiate mission and reach into lives of others rather than waiting for them to come to church. So the, the, the mission was, I would say, Bible-centered, number one, and number two, it was go out and initiate and be proactive leaders that would really reach out with the gospel to make a difference to others.
0: Mm. Now, I mean, talking about its DNA, I mean, even in its naming, Trinity School for Ministry, why not Trinity Theological Seminary?
1: Very good question. Um, at that point, in the mid-70s, you would not find an academic institution that didn't have a tenure track. It was almost unheard of. And one of the things that the board and the faculty agreed on from the very start was to have no tenure track. And I'm I'm indirectly trying to get to your question. The concern was that many of us had experienced institutions where once the tenure was achieved by faculty, The lecture notes went up on the shelf and they got old and crusty and by the time they got delivered I remember I had a professor in college who uh, pulled off his notes on Zoran Kierkegaard and and he hadn't looked at them in years but he was still teaching this class Mm -hmm. and um, the the sense of falling asleep at the mission was was troubling so Trinity was was really wanting to say we want to be Apart, we want to be different. We want to be unique in the sense of fighting that kind of um, academic prestige thing um, and embrace a more rigorous. We're training lay and clergy, and that was, again that was radical because in the 70s um, it was assumed that clergy did the ministry and the congregations congregated, mm-hmm. um, and and they wanted to fight that kind of uh, outlook and really engage. A, uh, an equipping of the laity and the clergy in ministry, and that meant hands on training and integrating good theological understanding with on the street level skills of, of, of ministry and mission
0: so a school for ministry, and what is that how has that looked from the late '70s until now, especially with a rapidly changing culture. Um, all the stuff that's going on within the life of Anglicanism. Uh, What does it look like to train someone for ministry right now?
1: Well, uh, two pieces to that. Um, First, I wanna say it's very exciting. And what I see going on on our campus, as well as through our uh, online um, education, is an amazing level of excitement and enthusiasm. First and foremost, we're getting a, a qualified, bright group of young people who are very idealistic and very excited. Mm. And that really encourages my heart. Uh, we're getting gifted people, but with a real passion and a love, a love for Christ. Um, so that would be the first piece. Um, the changing environment, that um, gets into the tough one. And the tough one is that the students today are less clear about their vocation to parochial clergy leadership. What do you mean by that? I mean, um, their options for ministry in their perspective are broader. They don't just necessarily want to become an Episcopal or Anglican priest. They're
0: weighing a lot of other options. Um, Sit on that for a minute uh, because, I mean, I think some people here would be aware that uh, I think the statistic is that most people going into uh, theological college are not necessarily training for pulpit ministry. And is, is that, is that what I'm sure that on one hand, that's kind of exciting, thinking about different ways to do ministry. But on the other hand, we need preachers so talk. So what does it look like at Trinity to do that?
1: Well, let me give you one picture. She's one of my favorites. Her name is Katie Black. Um, and she came to us about six, seven years ago, I think. And she was extremely bright. And she was doing um, a thesis on re-looking at Genesis. And she came from a very conservative, kind of what I would describe as a fundamentalist world in, in, around Penn State University, that area of Pennsylvania. And she wanted to, to, to show them how they could handle the scriptures faithfully without believing seven-day creation type mm-hmm. of thing. And... and uh, I really liked Katie and she had good leadership skills, she was intelligent, she was thoughtful, she wasn't scared to engage unbelievers and try to bear witness to the mission. So I would come to her and we would, we would tease about it. She was a Penn State fan so I would do the same thing I did with you and I Hi. would say, Katie, I've, I've, I've got this vision that the Lord gave me in my sleep the other night and, and it was you and you were, you were wearing Michigan colors. <laughs> And you had a clergy <laughs> collar on. And she would stand up and she'd say, get thee behind me, Satan.
0: All right. Over the collar or the Michigan collars? Yes. Yes, yes.
1: Both. Um, she, didn't, she didn't have any tolerance for my love for Michigan, so that got quickly dismissed. But she was a leader. And I said, Katie, we need leaders like you. We need articulate lovers of the word and, and I said, we need leadership gifts like yours. She said, I don't have time to play with the church stuff. I've got a more important ministry to do. And she's now teaching in a Christian school outside of Baltimore. It's an important ministry. Mm. I still would love to see a collar on her.
0: Yeah. Did she grow up in Anglicanism or, or did she grow up no, in she, sort of a Mennonite did, kind of... Not. Not, uh, not Mennonite, but... but something uh, like that, yeah. And... Um, And and so, are you getting a lot of students that that are not necessarily Anglican uh, or Episcopalian but are attracted to Trinity because of its fundamental commitments, or or who's coming to Trinity?
1: Yes, good question. Um, Who's coming are are young people who, number one, love biblical orthodoxy. So they want to be in an environment where they can habituate themselves around people who love the scriptures and love our Lord um they are also coming with a love for a desire for connecting to the historic church and they're beginning to there's a growing love for liturgy and structure um and and yet um the rest of the identity tends to be um what i would describe as ill defined um there's a great openness to identity um on some things i think there's a great clarity the clarity is in their christian belief the clarity is in their desire to see the gospel move forward uh the church and denominational peace is less clear mm. and, and um it, it's it's not we were even discussing last night it's not that there's a, a fear of commitment there's not a fear of commitment necessarily there's a cautiousness uh about where they can most effectively serve gospel purposes and uh, so they they keep their hands broadly very open on that mm. and um as I say, I love to tell the Katie story because I really wanted her to get ordained. She wasn't so sure. And there are many others that would get ordained, but there's still a very, a very broad sense of identity.
0: So it would be a, a minority position to come to Trinity School for Ministry already in an ordination tract of some kind, or is that still your bread and butter? Oh, that's, I,
1: I think it's still our bread and butter, but, but it might be... Um, um, many will come without a bishop's support or approval yet. Right. And that's different from the old days. The old days, everyone would have a bishop and they would be approved. Now many are coming saying, I'm, I'm discerning. And what many of the bishops are telling us is, you have to help us as an institution, help these students discern their, their role in ministry, mm-hmm. which in the old days, that was the business of the bishop and the commission on ministry, period. Um, seminaries were just there to educate. Now they've reached out to us. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, would, I would specifically mention the Bishop of Houston who has really reached out to us to say, you need to help us, help these um, young people discern what their call is. Mm. So it's, it's a broadening role um, that, that's much broader than what it would have been 30 years ago. Mm-hmm.
0: And with the influx of folks who are training for what we would call non-traditional Positions has that changed the way that that folks who are in the ordination track are training? I mean, is is it is it different now or?
1: I don't think dramatically different. Uh, for example, in our field education, uh, we used to have one track and it always assumed you were going to become a curate at a local suburban mm-hmm. parish. Um, we still have that and that's still the the, the the biggest track, but we now have a track for those who are considering hospital chaplaincy. And we have a track for those who are um, uh, considering other ministries, as you would call them, non-traditional, but um, school teaching or um, um, missional mm-hmm. um, environments. So we're now s- intentionally structuring our program so that if they're not going to be a suburban priest, we'll give them training that's more specialized for what, what they're going to be going into.
0: Right. Mi- yeah. Military
1: chaplaincy is the other
0: one. Right. Yeah, the, the, the term suburban priest hadn't really thought about that, um, but that really kind of is the wheelhouse is, I mean, are there, are there tracks at Trinity or, or opportunities because of where it's located in Ambridge to go to those, um, under areas of ministry, you know, for, I'll just go ahead and say it, Anglicanism typically in the United States, especially the latter part of the 20th century has not really done that great a job in urban ministry, yeah. Yeah. Um, what does it look like? Because Ambridge, being kind of an old, old steel town, mixed bag. Are you the largest private employer in the city next to the hospital? Yes, we are. I, th- I thought so. Yeah, I think I think that's true. I did have a lady. There, there are lots of donut shops in Ambridge, and I spent a semester there. And uh, when I would go to the donut shop, I would order the baker's dozen pumpkin, and she would say, like, "Are you having a party?" And I said, "No." Uh, and she said, they freeze well. And I said, that won't be necessary. Uh, but she, uh, she I, I, I went often enough where she said, you know, you and your friends are so kind. Are you from the cemetery? And, um, and I said, yes, uh, we are. But but Trinity really has an impact uh, for the good in that community where they have a wonderful reputation, whether they know what a seminary is or not. But it, What does it look like for someone who, I mean, is there an opportunity? Is there an emphasis at Trinity for for doing urban ministry or even cross cultural ministry?
1: Let me answer that in two parts. Um, Thank you for your nice words about the impact we have. And we do believe God has used us for our environment. And uh, recently we just built a little football field for our flag football team. And I asked one of the old timers what he thought about that. And I was fearful that he would say, It's not the old steel mill. You know, and that would have been the damning word. Um, but it, with tears in his eyes, he says, the most beautiful thing he would seen. Yeah. So we have brought level of hope and encouragement. Yeah. And, and, and our gospel purpose is being embraced by even the local congressman. He adores us. <laughs> the town borough manager adores us. Um, so we've had a wonderful relationship with, with our setting and the people of the town. Um, we even got a a, a a page in a recent novel that was kind of our local version of, um, um, app, um, what's the Appalachian uh, Hillbilly Elegy, thank you. Um, but there's a new one called Rust Belt Boy, and in it they give a, a page to us, and it makes us sound like it's Isaiah 61, <laughs> you know, and, and it comes through the seminary. It's just, it's just, and he's a sweet man. He's not a believer. We've gotten to know mm-hmm. him, and um, he lives up in New Hampshire now, and... Uh, NPR has done several programs on him, um, So we have had a, a, an impact, but I need to be fully honest with you and say one of the greatest challenges that we still face is, is optimizing that urban mm-hmm. or, or semi-urban, I, I don't exactly know how to classify it, um, setting. We have not been as effective in equipping urban leadership as we'd like to. And mm-hmm. we, like many seminaries, are working on that and really struggling. Um, and it's a complex issue, it involves the race issue, it involves urban right. environment issue. Um, we've not been as effective as we'd like to be, given that we've got a wonderful opportunity in our setting. but it
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that, that this sort of non-traditional churchgoer, and Anglicanism has always had a really hard time with that, I think, uh, with few exceptions along the way. Um, but even in Birmingham, the Pittsburgh of the south um, the south side of town is filled uh, with, with young folks who want to live in the city and uh, who are not married, uh, who typically don't have kids, uh, or you might be a young family living on the south side. But going to church is not even a consideration. They're not necessarily antagonistic to it. If anything, it's even more difficult because they're simply apathetic apathetic toward it so what does it look like for especially for folks training at trinity school for ministry because um there are fewer full-time pastoral positions out there than, than there used to be and so looking you know saying hey let's let's partner you up with the advent and we're going to plant a church in Southside birmingham i mean is, is that kind of stuff happening or
1: yes that definitely is happening and there's enthusiasm for it um um, there was a, a short time um, where our students were saying, "Can we discuss something other than a church plant?" <laughs> um, and and um, but it, but I think we've turned a corner on that now. And now there's a really genuine enthusiasm for um, learning and training and working with people who have effective models and um, um, and and building into communities that, that are wholesome and and healthy and trying to initiate mission in, in untouched environments. Mm. But it's hard. Um, Mary and I are part of a church plant in downtown Pittsburgh that we actually worship above a bar. And, uh, so we go up to the little art gallery and we put up the screens. And, uh, so our goal has been to really get to know the young urban generation downstairs. And mm. so first weeks we were there, I walked down and, and chatted and, and, uh, I said, how'd you all get to know each other? You seem to have a close relationship and, and and how'd this all come? And this one very cynical looking young man looked at me and he could see me coming from a mile away. And he walked over to the conversation and came into it and he said, Father, let's be clear. Where are you sitting right now? I said, Well, I'm sitting at the bar. He said, That's right. And six and a half of my days are spent dealing with drinking. And now this is the half day that I get off. And what am I sitting here doing? I looked and I said, drinking. Mm. He said, are you getting the picture? And he walked away. Mm. I gasped. But he was letting me know that if I was going to build a relationship with him, it was not going to be easy. Mm -hmm. And I was going to have to learn how to creatively engage who he was. Um, And that's been especially challenging when we see the turnover of young people and how quickly they come in and out of Pittsburgh. Um, We've built many wonderful relationships. We had one who was a a beautiful young woman who was on her level three sommelier test. She had done a master's at Oxford. um, And... Extraordinary person, but then she had a fight with the uh, the manager, the owner, and left and went to New York the next week. Mm. You know, and, and we'd invested probably close to a year in building a relationship with her.
0: But that's the nature of a big city, of, of of that sort of turnover. And well, tell us what what are you most excited about? Excited about at Trinity right now, and and what would be your biggest concern? Okay, um, the excitement. I,
1: I go every morning and we have our morning prayer service together and the students preach and I hear them preach and I am just it, it's almost a sense of guilt that I get paid to do this because I hear the word preached thoughtfully creatively and with passion and with good theology I I, it's, I can literally say to you of all the student sermons this semester there are only two that were average, and the others were fabulous and fed me and nurtured me. Who
0: preached the two? Just kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I remember one of them made Psalm 122 <laughs> sound like a, a, a travel brochure but uh, for Jerusalem. But, um, but, but the most exciting thing is to see the students' excitement in preaching and teaching uh, the Word of God um, and, and their hopefulness and their, their, their uh, enthusiasm. Um, so that would be the number one exciting thing. Um, what's the headwind? Um, the headwind would be the lack of, of um, clarity and identity um, mm-hmm. that, that, that many of our students are searching for where they want to land. Um, and um, we have a situation I was sharing last night with a group that we, we have no problem deploying our students um, Bishops from all over, everywhere, will take our students, um, even though bishops don't like us much. Um, I, we have a challenge to get the students to send in their resume mm. if they don't know the people involved. They're cautious, so there's a cautiousness in in the student body right now, um, and and that that concerns me. In that uh, they may be wise and they're very discerning, but they're very careful. And um, I'd like to see a little more swashbuckling yeah. and just go for it.
0: Yeah, what are they fearful of? Are they feel f- fearful of, I-, I don't have the relationships there? Are they fearful of, of I-, I don't, of, of just not knowing what they are getting themselves into in, in whatever context it is they're applying to?
1: I think the positive part about it is that they're more mature than I was 40 years ago. Um, they don't think they can do it all, mm. so there's a humility there, which I think is commendable, and I I rejoice in that. Um, so that they're, they're looking for communities, they want to do things collaboratively, and they want to do things synergistically, and uh, I think that's a good thing. Um, but as I say, the 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 downside to that would be it's not that they're they're. Well, they're fearful of messing it up. They don't want to mm. hurt the kingdom of God. They don't want to hurt the church. Um, yeah, they're going to mess up. They're going to mess up. Yeah. And, and one of the things that we try to do at seminaries is give them a safe environment where you can take risks and mess up. And, yeah. I, and I say that to them. I say, here's the place to do something goofy because I'd rather you do it here right. than when you're at Birmingham <laughs> yes. working with Andrew. You yes, know, indeed. Let's, let's get that out now. Yeah. Um,
0: well, I can't say enough for Trinity School for Ministry. It it really is a bright light uh, in theological education uh, in Anglicanism, and uh, it, in spite of the fact that, that certain bishops don't like sending people there, it's it's for those reasons they don't like sending people there that I love it. Um, and so, at least we're clear on that. Uh, but do y'all have any questions uh, for for Lori? Hi. Thank you. You mentioned um, one female student graduate who went into non-traditional ministry. Where are your women going after seminary? Are they mostly going to non-traditional or are they going into um, ordained ministry?
1: Good question. I'm, I'm going to look at Aiden on this to see if I can get some help. I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess it's 50-50. Would it one? be
0: 50-50 for the men too?
1: Oh, or were you just asking for the No, women?
0: she was asking just for the women. Yeah. Oh, just
1: for women. Oh, just for women. Um, sorry. Is that right, Kristen? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I would guess, that's a very good question. I, I find more and more women are going into traditional roles, and that's the encouragement. Um, and um, I, I think they're finding more and more voice as, and I would say as specifically, as evangelical conservative Orthodox women, uh, particularly ordained or not. But um, I think that 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 sense of the opportunities are starting to open up slowly. Not, I won't say it's happened rapidly, but it's starting, I think the trend is very encouraging. And I think um, I'm finding even parishes that are adamantly opposed to the ordination of women are starting to open up to calls Um, um, because they realize they really need that leadership. In terms of your, uh, academic curriculum, what are the minimum uh, requirements in terms of Bible study, Hebrew, and Greek? Ah, blessed question. Um, we do require both, um, and we expect our students to have a reading capacity in both Greek and Hebrew. we, our, our curriculum itself is 90 credit hours for the Master of Divinity, which is um, well above the average. The, the, the ATS standard today, what they say is the norm, is 72 uh, credit hours. We require 90. There are some that are more rigorous than us. I think, uh, um, I think Westminster requires, is it 180? Yeah, that's shocking to hear that um, Westminster would be... Yeah, well, exactly. Yes, Um, I think Westminster and maybe I don't know what Gordon's requirements are, but they're close. Hmm. But beyond that, the majority of seminaries would require anywhere 66 credit hours to 72 credit hours, um, which is is I think a rather relaxed way to work through three years. We used to have 106 required, and we've we've cut that down. Because one of our graduates, um, who was a brilliant, um, Sarah Labar, if any of you know Sarah
0: Labar. Sarah will be one of our uh, Lenten preachers oh, okay. coming up in the spring.
1: Well, Sarah, Sarah many years ago confronted us. She said, if we do everything in our covenant, and as well as our academic curriculum, um, there would be no time for sleep. And she showed, <laughs> documented this on paper. And, and we looked at our curriculum and we said, we're not being honest. Mm. Uh, so we, at that point, we looked and, and cut back to 90 but um, the majority of, of seminaries would be closer to 72. Mm.
0: Okay, y'all. Thank you so much, Laurie, for being with us. And thank uh, you for the opportunity. I'm, I'm sorry about the well uh, here in Birmingham. I, I, I would say that you brought it with you uh, from Pittsburgh. Uh, but go in peace to love and serve the Lord. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent, If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.